0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Cast of Caw, where we talk all things related to the Dark Tower series by Stephen King. I'm your co-host Rachel, and joining me is the other half of my quartet, the man who I always spend 45 minutes <laughs> talking about real estate and or travel with before the show starts. <laughs> the one and only DJ.
1: Oh man, Rachel's going to some of my favorite places. We oh, both just started so excited about all of the places along the coast we love to go to.
0: I feel like every time we talk, we plan five vacations. I know. <laughs> By the time I'm done, I'm like, okay, are we doing this? Because we should. We're we should going as soon as this world is safe to go to places in. Yes.
1: The answer is yes. I want to go on some tacky, weird rides on the coast yes. and some yes. mystery shacks. And yes. Go buy some yard gnomes I don't need from that weird lumber house place. Correct. So, you know, eat pancakes yes. and, and chowder
0: and other weird things. That reminds me, over the. Weekend was my birthday party. And yeah. what we did for my birthday is we rented, like, you can rent private pools from the Swimply app. Okay. You just march into someone's house and like, I demand to see the pool. Pretty much. But it was a super nice pool. It had a whole rock formation that had a water slide in it and like a grill and we barbecued and it was really, really fun. And it was like a nice, safe outdoor party for, you know, with our friends. And I basically just swam around on a water noodle for four hours straight. But (laughs) anyway, the reason I brought it up is I just remembered that also, aside from the beautiful waterfall that surrounded the pool, there was a shocking number of creepy gnomes and when I say creepy gnomes I don't mean they're creepy because they were gnomes or because there were a lot of them but they were like actually horror themed gnomes all (laughs) over this person's backyard
1: (laughs) that's great
0: right so I had the whole audience of creepy gnomes watching me frolic in the backyard the stranger's backyard we were actually having a bar discussion yesterday because um one of my
1: friends is getting into doing cement casting And I was like, you know what would be the greatest one-off thing for people? Scan their face and then do two kissing gnomes with their significant other.
0: Oh, that would be cute. So you could have it
1: in your yard and it's like your face on a gnome and your significant other's face on a gnome.
0: I mean, people would buy that. He could have a pretty brisk Etsy business. Right. Oh, he, i mean people love things that look like them that you know customized them <laughs> i say this as someone who paid to have a portrait done of myself my boyfriend is cats so no judgment <laughs> hey now um that, that is a
1: complete aside but i will i i commission art pieces on a regular basis do you i prefer at all costs to have real
0: painting mm-hmm. in my home yeah, I I kind of like hit a place in my life where I'm like I kind of only want to buy original art. Is that weird? So
1: should we save this for the uh,
0: uh post post discussion? We could. All we right. certainly could. Um, all right. Post well,
1: discussion we will talk all things art.
0: All right. This art history with uh, Rachel and DJ. <laughs> I don't know if it'll be historic, but it'll definitely be like
1: some interesting tidbits to get you okay. on your start to your own personal art collection. That may not gain in value, but what will make your heart feel warm all over?
0: Yeah, I'm into it. I'm into it. Okay. Okay. Well, then let's talk about The Dark Tower. All okay. right. So plan for this episode. We are going to kick off the show with an in-depth conversation about the rest of the Little Sisters of Valoria, sections five and six. And then we'll close out the show with our... Answers to our last listener questions, and I'll pose a new listener question. But before we do any of that, DJ, for those who have stumbled upon us for the first time, what is our spoiler policy around here? Well, uh, like the only part of your body
1: that stands up straight, we will draw oh a squishy line in the sand to oh let god. you know where oh god. the spoiler zone oh my will god. land. Oh god.
0: Oh my god. <laughs> uh... We're recording this during the day. It was too early.
1: <laughs> I didn't have this bookmark, so every time I tried to put my finger on the the little like selector for audio, it, it always went to that to scene. Beer boner. Of,
0: yeah.
1: <laughs> And so when I was going through this and making some mental notes, I ended up
0: having to listen to that probably three times. That is upsetting. <laughs> did you feel a little bit judged by your, your audiobook? I was Like, well, clearly this is the part you want. You keep yeah, coming exactly. here. Like, uh, no, no.
1: 30 seconds back. There you go. There
0: you go. <laughs> Perfect. Nailed it. All right. Oh. Well, aside from that, where else did we leave off with the last chapter?
1: Um, so the guy next door just got eaten. The ladies. Have goatees made of blood. Yes, and they have circled Roland and tasted of his man sauce. Oh, <laughs> and then left the room, <laughs> and we basically cut no. back to Roland and Stephen King. In this particular thing, does this thing where he basically tells you everything that's coming in every title chapter? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so Sister Mary, a message, a visit from Ralph, Norman's fate, Sister Mary again. <laughs> yep
0: yep (laughs) i mean it was helpful for me because in my notes i broke all the chapters up by this but yeah it's it's a a different way of childing a chapter for sure yeah
1: it caught me off guard so basically we start out um roland's like kind of coming to and sister mary brings him some food Is looking at him like figures he's like looking a little weird but gives him his food anyway she can't touch him to check on him so she has to take his word for it that he's feeling okay and then, like, I don't know what is it that triggers him thinking or her telling him that that that's a note from her to tell you that like she means her promise. Because I I'm not sure I understood how I got to that point where um,
0: mm, they didn't bring her.
1: He didn't. They didn't bring him a note. Oh, okay. So uh, there's a moment where Mary's like, that means that she promises.
0: I think he asks after her and she's like, well, she's out of this thoughtful house, but only because she promised not to come to the infirmary again.
1: Oh, okay, okay, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So basically we find out that Mary's been kind of banished from this, this area. And and then Roland's like kind of bantering back and forth, and then the other lady comes in, and they like basically accuse him of lying about who he is. They disappear. He chats with his younger. Uh, okay, padre. I'm
0: gonna have pause you here because there's some stuff that happens really quickly, really because we're we're going fast. Okay. <laughs> okay, it's okay. All right, so first of all, we find out there this. Opening section, when Mary comes in with the soup, and they are kind of arguing she's in a bad mood over basically Jenna being a little bit of a wayward sister, and she's kind of taking out her right? anger by being really kind of sassy with Roland, who is kind of sassing back and pretending to try to, try to pretend like he's not as drugged as he is, but really feeling... Kind of hopeless to avoid continuing to drink the soup. There's no way out of it because they're basically like, well, we're either going to give you the soup or we're going to cut you and put the put the medicine in your skin, essentially. Mm-hmm. Also, we get little tidbits here, right? We find out that Jenna's mother had tried to leave, but she was sick and she had to come back. And there's a lot of – I think this section is mostly just about foreshadowing of things that are about to sort of unfold in this last Act, right? Like we said, we find out that there's a reason why these people can't break their vows beyond them being vows. If you leave, you'll get sick and you'll have to come back. And, you know, where we end up, that kind of makes sense, right? The other thing that I thought was interesting and just kind of good wordplay in this section is that Mary refers to them as being cotet. And if you remember, the word cotet is a high speech word that means one made from many. Which,
1: oh. I think on a... Yes,
0: there's like the obvious interpretation. There's this group of people that work together or are brought together by fate or whatever, right? But when you get to the end of the book, <laughs> there's another meaning. <laughs> okay, I didn't catch that one. Um, the one I was going to lean on was actually the shadows, but... Okay, so I, I'm glad that you're going to say something about the shadows. Because, I mean, I thought it was noteworthy, but I didn't go much further with it. So did you have... Oh! Okay. It's so, clicking for me now. <laughs> here's the thing,
1: folks, if you're okay with it, we may be a little nonlinear here. Yeah. Because it's necessary to kind of like unpack these as we go through them. And the reason we're being a little nonlinear is because this is not a spoiler if you've read this. This is the end of this. This is in book. the reading, this week's this reading. This is in the reading. Yeah. But the Sisters of Loria are basically a bunch of bugs formed into a person. Yes. So... There's a moment uh, where when the women are walking away from the scene, Roland comments that their shadows are fuzzy. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so the thing I wanted to underline there is that th- their shape and their form is an illusion. Yes. And so the shadow is not an illusion. The
0: shadow is actually just a swarm of bugs. Right. This You're right. There's a couple of moments here where, Stephen King uses language that actually is telling us everything yeah. without and, actually telling us everything. It's and very the clever thing is,
1: is that Roland is still confused by this because, yeah, Roland is affirming them as vampires, mm-hmm. and so he's like, "Well, one legend I heard about him isn't true. They can definitely walk in the sun, yeah, and the other legend he heard is true. they don't have a shadow, and like he's sort of wrong on both accounts, right. Because they Correct. do have a true shadow, and they can walk in the sun, and they're not vampires.
0: Right. It's just what you're seeing is yep, not exactly. – it's all – It's mo- there's more glamour here than you think. Now, the other thing I want to unpack here, and
1: this is very specific to her mother. Mm-hmm. Uh, when her mother comes back, she's sick and has fallen to pieces before they're even able to rescue Mary and get her back – get her health back. Yeah. And so <laughs> – so when she fell to dust or to pieces, like, she basically came apart at the seams. And, right. You know, the bugs, like, scattered. Okay. Right. So now we, we know those two things. But then the interest, extra interesting thing is the mention of blood every time. So w- the reason I wanted to start with this is because, okay, Roland's still sick
0: the, uh-huh.
1: and healing. And we, we know that basically the bugs crawl over you and heal you. Note now that we know that those are, you know, well, blood eating bugs. <laughs> right. What is the significance of them warning him multiple times not to draw blood in the area?
0: Well, I mean, isn't it more isn't it, about they the... say
1: they'll say it'll upset the bugs or it'll but, upset the doctors.
0: But Roland basically says, I don't think it's really the bugs. I think it's the nurses. Right. I don't what know. What am I missing? What am I mi- am I missing something? So
1: the the thing I wanted to drill in on is basically yeah. like the bugs are healing you, mm-hmm. but if there's blood then they're eating you. Right. So if you have a wound as long as the wound is treated, then the bugs will start mending you back together again, but if there's loose blood they're part of the same right creature and and so my thought process here and i might be off my rocker is that the bugs live on blood as well and so when they bring these people in they sort of sterilize them because you can have a wound and it doesn't have to be bleeding and so right i almost wonder if that's the catch here with because what happens when the doctors get upset you know <laughs> they probably eat you
0: Right. I'm. Yeah. I mean, now I'm like making. You're making me think about the science of this. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Don't some bugs cause your blood to coagulate or something? Like, I wonder they oh, you're heal to put your you. On like
1: what type of bug this could be? That well, I'm just
0: be- like they heal you, but I'm wondering if it's a side effect of what they're doing, as opposed to, and if they become the bugs. I'm so confused. <laughs> well, there's also like there's
1: a psychic element to
0: this too that yeah. is kind of
1: like floating off in the ether a tad. But just keep that in the back of your mind as we as we move forward. Okay. Maybe if you if you got something on it, like let me yeah. know. Yeah,
0: yeah. I feel like I did not spend enough time thinking about these bugs. Oh no problem. <laughs> the other thing
1: is we another mention of the dark bells. Now we never actually get a justification for what the dark bells really mean we know that they're more powerful than the other bells right but we don't know what basically gives them to you or or what what if it's lineage or if it's bestowed on you because you are special somehow like you have more power than the others
0: Well, they said that she was a princess of some kind, right? so I think it's hinting at a larger sort of world-building thing around these sisters, right? Mm -hmm. So I guess the question is, are you born a little sister or are you made a little sister? Well... Because maybe she comes from a line of the original little sisters or something.
1: So here's the that's that's a really awesome point and actually something I also had on my list. I had a lot on my list this time. Yeah. Um, so the other thing that I I wanted to note is that she actually has a thing of hair that falls down and doesn't yeah. appear to have to work to generate some kind of you know false mask. Right. Whereas the rest of the of these sort of like humanoid creatures have to use their magic to generate a mask. So that to me leans towards the fact that she is born as opposed to created. Right. Or maybe you're born, you age and you you wither with your your I mean, husk or your like yeah. your outer skin and
0: then you're just bugs free after that. Yeah, there must be some degree of transformation that happens. And the reason I say that is because presumably her mother did something similar to her where, I don't know if she fell in love with a patient, but she fell in love with someone, right? Because she tried to leave. One. Yes, because then there's a hint later on about the fact that Jenna occasionally, like Roland, couldn't help, you know, a girl has to eat, right? Mm-hmm. And so even though it wasn't something she wanted to do, she did partake in the blood drinking. So is that when she transformed to a point where she couldn't leave? Mm. I don't know. I I don't don't know. know. It's just a, it's a bunch of interesting questions without real answers. Not a lot of answers. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I wouldn't actually mind knowing more about the sisters because now that we're drilling into it a little bit, I mean, I guess some things don't, not everything needs an explanation and that's okay sometimes for things to be mysterious, but my curiosity is piqued, So I would like to know more. I feel like definitely King has done some mental world building, even if it's not all here in text. He clearly has some sort of idea of the I'm not the hierarchy, but I mean like the whatever. The little sister's system. No, that doesn't that's not the right word. <laughs> I don't know.
1: So but you know what I mean. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So let's uh let's back up. So um now Roland like basically kind of half asleep, wakes up and chats with the boy next to him for a moment. And we, they have yeah. mm-hmm. they have this conversation about the medallion and he hopes that Roland will like take it to his family. And then he mentions a town. Yes. And what, what, what town is this Rachel? So it is
0: the town of Delane. We find out that he is from the town of Delane. Why is this important? Okay. The reason it came up is I don't know that there is a ton of information here, except for the fact that it is, this is one of our Stephen King universe connections. So Delane is the setting of the book eyes of the dragon and that's why there's the reference about it being the dragon's lair or the liar's heaven is because it's it's these are all references to eyes of the dragon which we know that roland is on the trail of the man in black which uh, we just finished the fourth book we find out the man in black is also randall flag randall flag is the chief antagonist of lord uh, of eyes of the dragon so he's in the right part of the world presumably
1: yeah okay because uh when i heard that i was like well wait a minute this is important but rachel Mm -hmm.
0: (laughs) yeah i mean they made a point to be like he's from delane also it's known as this also it's known as to use a you know dj parlance he's underlining like look at this (laughs) pointing arrows pointing at this name right here but it's it's basically for nerds like us to be like "Ooh, i know where delane is delane is where randall flag did all of his shenanigans and fought king roland and all that stuff (laughs) the other thing is we skip past that i think we do need to talk about is that after roland falls asleep after speaking with mary he feels like he's kind of half dreaming and he hears jenna whispering in his ear and she he feels her cold touch again and when he wakes up he finds this basically it directing her him to look under his pillow that she's leaving something for her and that's when he finds the little note Okay, I, I thought that was after he talked to the boy. Nope, but it doesn't matter. It's fine. Okay,
1: so, so yeah, that is really important. And Roland finds some like dried leaves underneath of his, or some dried flowers tied together underneath of his uh, pillow. Uh, but the the main thing with the the conversation with his next door neighbor is like he's like, hey, I wish I would have met you sooner. You know, I kind of like the cut of your jib. So uh huh. Yeah. Like, we could have could have been friends, and like take my medallion and you know whatever, and stephen king cuts away and is like and that is the last
0: time he ever heard him speak right he's alive like, here, or he's the, like night the the they spoke and but he's like but i heard from him a lot more and you're like yeah oh, exactly it's like oh no boom, boom, boom. yeah yeah so the other thing worth noting about the the little thing of her showing up was that she gave him these things to chew on that would start to allow him to fight back against the medicine
1: yeah, and i think isn't there a note with them too that tells him not to overdo it yes
0: apparently whatever the opposite of opioid poppies is th- that's what this thing is essentially it's speed poppies okay yeah yeah
1: so uh, i i i well isn't no no isn't there cocaine isn't like
0: a, a plant too so then it is it is but it's in the coca leaf right
1: oh okay yeah then i don't know um yeah, I know enough dr- about drugs. <laughs> any of <you> drug people? <laughs> Let's know if this matches any known drugs that you've
0: partaken in. Well, now I feel like I can't clarify because I'm going to sound like a drug person. <laughs> <laughs> uh But yeah, oh, John Norman, it's it's rough stuff. This poor kid, he's about to have a bad time.
1: So uh, this is all punctuated by roland like drifting in and out of sleep. Mm-hmm. He kind of like halfway falls back to sleep again, and then he sort of wakes up. And the sisters are there and wait, wait, is is the next thing with the green
0: man or am I? Yeah, no, that's correct. So that night he hears them coming. He's actually bitten a little too much off. So he's trying not to give away the fact that he's just absolutely spun out of his mind.
1: Yeah. So basically he kind of halfway comes to they've brought him some more food and like a popkin that tastes like leather. And gross. They know that something's up. The nurse is like. Got a suspicion that Roland's like somehow not as under as he should be, but again, he's got the medallion on. There's a little bit of threats about the medallions, and then there's this conversation that's like, why, why don't you just take this off?
0: And your friend took it off, and like, we're oh, you jumping. are skipping ahead, my friend. Oh man, is that okay. that happens the next morning when the bed is empty? Son Some of a bitch. important things happen in the night i'm getting these
1: (laughs) orders so mixed around because like for some reason i thought they like bounce forward and like mention the medallion and he's gone and then he's back and then the green man uh is in there with the bowler hat and then the sisters are trying to talk him into
0: getting his getting his uh jewelry off i mean there's a mention of it at the beginning where she's like you should take that off and throw it in the pissoir," but it's more just in passing and then later another sister also was like you should take it off look at your brother took it off and that's how he started to heal or something right and i'm not good at these like bounce around dreamy chapters (laughs) it's okay (laughs) we all read the book or we all read the chapter so we knew what happened it's okay Uh, okay. we're all on the same page
1: so uh, let's (laughs) thank you for getting me back on track rachel um So the green man with the bowler cap uh, is in there. We get a couple of reveals. He's brought in by the sisters Mm -hmm. to touch the jewelry that they can't touch. Um, And he wants whiskey and smokes. Yes. And he's kind of like. Backy. He wants to backy. (laughs) (laughs) And, And Roland like half asleep is sort of analyzing him now and realizing that after all the rot and decay of this guy's body has suffered, he's still trig. He's still got some brains in him and enough logic to sort of like think through some problems Mm -hmm. which means that like whatever's afflicting him is different from these muties that he's seen in the past Mm -hmm. so this guy's in some other realm i don't know what it is but we also find out that he doesn't fear from the sisters eating him no (laughs) because his blood will poison them yes so uh, that right there like well, how did he come into existence? Right. And right. it puts this weird like moment where you're like, Stephen King gives you a nugget, and then you don't really get a payoff on it. Mm-hmm. And the question I had for you on this, Rachel, is like, is this significant? Do you know of a Stephen King universe where this is a thing? And the only thing I can think of is always at forever Tommyknockers, you know?
0: Well, I think they refer to their being... What is that stuff that they used to put in watch? Radium mines nearby. Oh, yeah. Okay. And so, like, we know that the slow muties have gone underground, right? Mm -hmm. And then they, you know, evolved to some degree. And I think that's kind of, these slow muties are maybe affected by something different than the slow muties that we see under the mountain. And these ones are basically, like, you played Fallout, right? These are the irradiated ones. Oh, okay, that are glowing, right? And that's why he's like, "You can't drink my my blood, you can't have my blood, or you will die because you'll glow." I just think, yeah, it's a, a byproduct of them making their home inside these radiant mines.
1: Okay, I I, I I hoped you had an explanation for that.
0: Well, there you go. <laughs> I hope, I hope that was a good man. one. I'll, I'll
1: buy it. <laughs>
0: okay.
1: so, so then we find out that basically the sisters have Roland's gun after all. Mm-hmm. And they pull it on the, the zombie or the green man or whatever, bowler hat guy. And, and he is actually, you know, nervous of that. And then he, it turns out that one of the people in his group gave him the guns. And he asks about what kind of deal he got for the guns. And, like, the sisters won't tell yeah. him. And he realizes that, like, they're probably not going to pay up what they're, what they're offering. And, and so instead of just taking the amulet off and let the the sisters go crazy, he walks up, fakes getting ready to take it off, and then just gashes the neck of this kid open. And yeah. the necklace does break off and fly. Uh-huh. But the sisters are so excited at the sight of blood and, and not wasting any, that they just swoop in and sort of forget about this guy. And Ralph is able to, like, uh, escape and, and wander off. And so... It's this moment where, like, two evil creatures are, like, on the same footing, battling mm-hmm. each other. And mm-hmm. then, like,
0: one distracts them by throwing a stake down. hmm Yeah. Oh, totally. It's interesting, right? Because you and I, when we heard earlier on how Roland came to become in the possession of the Little Sisters, you got the sense that they coexisted right but you didn't totally understand the dynamic between the two groups and i feel like this gives us a much better insight into sort of the uneasy kind of balance I-, I didn't know if the little sisters had more power and they were like little minions or what what the deal was and it seems like it's much more of a coexist thing yeah and the- one's smarter than the other
1: but neither one of them are necessarily physically afraid of each other
0: Right. Which is interesting because it's kind of like, you see, the sisters have to have the guns, right? In order to yeah. intimidate him, they need to have the guns. But he, they, he knows enough about them to know that they're blood drinkers, which I thought was interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And to know that his blood is like toxic to them. Yes. And that he's smart enough to recognize that. He can't trust them, and that he knows well enough what will happen if he pulls off the medallion and tears open their throat. That that'll provide him with an opportunity to get away. So say what you will about Ralph, he's a survivor. He's a survivor in a jaunty chapeau. <laughs> a Jaunty <daunting> chapeau. <laughs> yeah, his puller hat. <laughs> that's, that's, funny. that's very fancy. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, Ralph is a fancy slow mutie. <laughs> What? <laughs> nothing um i'm just kind
1: of picture in the princess bride with the bowler hat a skeleton guy like and his eye rolling from one side of his head to the other as he like tips his hat and starts going oh what? daddy oh
0: daddy oh daddy oh from
1: princess bride no not princess bride from um uh has the bride in it uh corpse bride
0: oh okay very different i was like i do not remember that part of the princess right no no of
1: course (laughs) right got it
0: we're on the same page now (laughs) yes he also had a jaunty chapeau all
1: right so uh roland basically like passes out listening to the screams of norman and wakes up in the well before he wakes up he kind of has like a fever dream Mm -hmm. in the fever dream He sort of pictures the town, and he pictures the the boy in the the well, or in the well, in the trough with the thing on. And, like, you kind of get this flyover, and he looks in the book and says, like, uh, the book says, we banished the slow muties, the one that he found in the sheriff's office. Roland starts to, like, kind of think about it, and, like, maybe you banished one bad guy, but another bad guy just moves right in on top of it. Yep. And, Mm -hmm. like... One day these will be the sisters of Aloria but the next day they'll be the sisters of some other town. Dun, yeah, done. Right. Which makes you think about like, uh, oh, these the, a traveling band of ladies that are going from place to place, pro nice. healing people and then like eating them until there's no one left. Hmm. Which actually that. like tells you, like, okay, what happened to the town?
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's a smart way to kind of answer. We're at the end of the story, essentially. So they're tying up a few of these little open-ended questions. I don't know if, like, all of our answer- questions get answered, but I, I do appreciate that. We get this little moment where we're like, aha, okay, so it wasn't necessarily the slow muties. The slow muties are able to kind of take over the town and come out of the mines and have more free movement and stuff like that. And, you know, scavenge a little bit if, you know, singular people or a couple of people show up. But the the real perpetrators of whatever happened are probably these little sisters. Right? Isn't that your takeaway? That's my takeaway. Yeah, that was my takeaway,
1: is that, like, the slow muties were a problem, but... Obviously, they're afraid of guns, and right. humans
0: have guns. I mean, so. they're kind of a little bit of a migrating plague of locusts, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, that's a mm-hmm. good bug analogy. Ta-da! <laughs>
1: Nailed it. Um, so, like, there's a moment where he's like comparing Jenna and Susan in his mind, and mm-hmm. like thinking about how how hot Jenna is, and it's like a weird
0: comparison. And then, like, we get some more of that later on. I mean, let's see here. I, I don't remember it, but to be honest, there's that totally tracks, because all of this really is bringing up a lot of memories of Susan, and there is a lot. I talked about it last time, all the comparisons between Jenna and Susan. There's a lot of them. So, so yeah, I don't specifically remember that, but that sounds very on brand. Okay.
1: Well, regardless, that happens somewhere. Okay. <laughs> Fair enough. So Roland comes back to Mary's there again, trying to feed him. Uh huh. He's like still trying to deny eating it, and like she's basically got a suspicion now that like something's up with this guy. Yeah, and like telling him like, hey, you know, like your friend put his religious item down on the ground because it was uh it was bad for him. Like he realized it was what was making him sick. <laughs> Roland's not having it because he's no. not that dumb. No, and like to to think that like she could trick him in that way was also like a little silly. So I don't know. Maybe that still indicates that they're underestimating him as a gunslinger. Right.
0: Which is interesting because before we knew that we thought Jenna had the guns, right? So we assumed that they didn't know who he was because they hadn't seen the guns, but they have the guns. So how do they not recognize? I mean, I guess, like you said, 10 years is actually a long time, especially in a time pre-internet. Nobody can Google like signs of a gunslinger. So I guess... Maybe, or, so there's a, a moment
1: later on where Stephen King w- waves his sort of literary wand and says, Look, they were just cocky and over, or underestimated yeah, their, that's the, true. you know, their own strength or whatever, mm-hmm. and so maybe they do know that they've got a gunslinger, but maybe they feel that that's not really something that they need to be concerned with because they're just that much more cunning and powerful than he is. Right? They've got and him you're...
0: drugged and no way out of it. Or so they think exactly. And which like, to be honest, if Jenna was not there, if Kaw had not put Jenna in his path, I don't know that Roland would have got out of this. Yeah, exactly. And, and that's the thing is like,
1: all things normal if jenna hadn't gotten her mother's rebellious nature there is no escape for roland from this so and this is pretty much the only way because like at first when they brought ralph in i thought well okay maybe like ralph pushes him over and roland like has enough drugs in his body and like gets up and attacks with a gun or something uh-huh. like when that didn't happen you're like well you're running out of outs, Mister King. Like, right, right. What, what, what are you gonna do here? Like, you, the, the the noose is tightening.
0: Yes. He, so he went back to the well, which we'll talk about in a minute.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so uh, Roland like passes back out again. He, he wakes up. He's basically like eating more of these flowers that he's got underneath of his hat. And like as he's starting to eat this flower, this time one of the sisters is actually hiding under the bed after she's so she... creepy yeah it's like just just like under the bed waiting and it's like aha i knew it and uh-huh. like jumps out and like grabs this flowerish thing that roland has been like eating under his bed and like at one point with the description is roland was just weak enough that like luckily he'd untied the bindings between the flowers or he wouldn't have been able to put it in his mouth
0: yeah and so
1: like that's how much this is doing for him uh-huh <laughs> And, like, she's about ready to, like, jump on him. Where did you get this? You know? And out comes Jenna.
0: Yes. And it's like,
1: Mm -hmm. well, actually, girl, got it from me. Right. Mm Mm-hmm. And you're like, oh, whoa, wasn't expecting that much betrayal. Right. You were thinking, like, almost like a sneaky out, but not a, like, confrontational out, right? Right.
0: So did this scene remind you at all of another one at all? uh mumble no okay that's fair so i was thinking when when we got to this part and i was like oh because we have so many susan parallels yeah do you think this is very much in conversation with i'm glad we read these in this order because i do feel like it's very much in conversation with wizard and glass this to me is very much like susan breaking Roland in the gang out of the sheriffs oh you think so i because jenna had takes a very declarative side here. She shows up with Roland's guns to set him free and she kills one of her own to set him free.
1: Fair. And she uses like well, And every
0: time she's thinking he's thinking about Susan, she Jenna shows up. <laughs> oh yeah, that's true. Yeah. But I in the same way that she took out, I can't remember the the deputy's name anymore, someone that she had grown up with, someone that she had known. Oh
1: yeah, there is a lot of parallels between yeah. those two. They're actually... I didn't really think of it that way. But mm-hmm. and she's also like sort of betraying the town in that instance by like yes. going against it. Mm-hmm. And in this case, like even if it's right, you know, she's going against the, the sisterhood. Yep. And so it's the same. And there's though there will be consequences for said going against.
0: Yes, there. W- a much like Susan, she's going to end up blowing away in the wind. But we'll get there. <laughs> there's there's another thing I want to point out too.
1: That is post text is like important when you go back, but is sort of just weird mood setting when you're going forward the first time. Yeah. And that's that when Roland falls asleep, a lot of times he falls asleep to the howl of the Jesus dog.
0: Yes. I mean, it's one of those things where he's not sure if he's hearing it, but I do think that's seeded throughout, right? That this, this dog is present, so it doesn't come out of absolutely nowhere in a minute. Yeah,
1: exactly. But it's <laughs> it's just kind of like I wanted to make sure and, and mention it because it's there. It's just that you kind of didn't think about it until right the moment it it
0: makes itself known. It's very much the background noise, like the the singing of the bugs, right? Yep, exactly. Mm-hmm.
1: So basically, she confronts the other sister, and the other sister is like, "You wouldn't dare!" And she shakes her her dark bells. And the bugs, the doctor bugs engulf her and eat her. Yep. She screams at Roland to look away for some reason. And Roland's like, thank God I looked away. never happier to not see that.
0: Yeah. I mean, because it would have spoiled the end right here, right? There's a couple moments. Both times, Roland is surprisingly flinching away. And I wonder if subconsciously, it's not so much that he can't handle the sight of it. I mean, God, if you've seen the thin you you've seen everything, right? That's the thin massacre. So much as I think he doesn't want to see it. So basically, after she's
1: eaten and Roland looks away, the other three sisters, like, storm up, and are like, you need to stop right now. And she's like, you want to test me? I'll do it to you, too. <laughs> and, like, <clears throat> yeah. while they are powerful women, they look behind her, realize what has happened, and are like, okay, no, we're not going to do this. So they part and let Roland and Jenna wander past And the whole time, they're like, well, where's Mary at?
0: Uh Uh-huh.
1: Roland is, like, sort of like, well, you know, good thing we didn't run into Mary. She might have proved a threat. And then, like, of course, Mary pops out and is like, you know, you're cursed. Like, what you did is sacrilegious to our clan or whatever. And, like, Mm -hmm. your bells won't save you now. And when Stephen King has her explaining this, he's like, she doesn't know if this is actually true or not, but she hopes it is right. (laughs) (laughs) And like, sure enough, proving her theory, right. Jenna, like shakes the bells and nothing happens. And I want to focus in on the bells for a second, because when she shakes the bells, the first time the bells ring with this sort of ethereal ring that like feels like it has power. And when she kills the first of the clan with the bugs, her bells outring and outshine the other girl's bells. Yes. In like this loud, predominant way. But after yes. she's committed this sort of religious crime, I
0: suppose. Oh, interesting. She rings her bells and they don't ring true anymore. Oh, see, that's interesting. I hadn't didn't have that interpretation, but I oh, thought yeah. it was more like it was because she was out of range. Part of what made... Like it was a feedback loop almost. When she rang the bells and the bugs hurt her, there was something resonant, more resonant in the way that she rang it with the range of the bugs, where the bugs could respond. But maybe you're right. Maybe some of that connection was broken when she used the bells to kill her sister.
1: Yeah, that that was hmm. my interpretation. Interesting. Was that- as part of the clan, like, the bugs are psychically linked to her. Yeah. And the psychic scar of killing one of their own. And actually, I shouldn't even say killing because there's there's a moment where Jenna says, like, she's part of the medicine now. Yeah. And that's another bug reference that I wanted to unpack. And the way I understood that to play out is that they just ate the outside of the casing that was holding all those bugs in. Yeah. And that the bugs are now just like individual bugs again. Yeah. Because the way I, I, I kind of think of these guys is like, have you ever heard people describe like ants are dumb individually? Yeah. But like when you put a colony together, it can do Anything. amazing yeah. things. Uh-huh. Like, all kinds of stuff. And it's that whole like chaos into logic thing. Right. So – the bugs have to gather in a group and sort of be like psychically linked to create one of these creature people, whatever. Right. And that I assume is held in some sort of like cocoon or casing or magical mesh of some kind. Yeah, Because Jenna like has full body form. And while the other ones are using psychic powers to project a clean and nice looking body, when that that starts to fade, they still have physical form. It's just, like, decrepit and, like, yeah. gross. Yeah, So, like, their, like, outside husk is rotting. Yeah. So to speak. Uh-huh. And the only time it rejuvenates is when they drink more blood. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, no,
0: that totally makes sense. I'm sorry. You've just sent my brain down, like, a different avenue. I'm still kind of trying to wrap my brain around how the symbiosis of bugs and sisters and sister becomes bugs all works i had tried to like hand wave it away but you've now brought me back so here's the theory okay what's your theory overarching theory yes
1: please make it make sense dj so the outside shell that contains
0: the bugs yes is
1: a like the mr oogie
0: boogie burlap sack uh it's the technical term (laughs) i'm
1: thinking of this more like skinwalkers where they can like rip the skin off of somebody and live inside of it. Right. So the blood keeps the outside skin healthy and fresh. Okay. And as it dries out, the first thing to go is the protective layer before the bugs separate. Okay. So they have to continually drink blood, not only to feed the animals that are in there, the. Animals, the insects that are inside them, but to rejuvenate the outside shell that they carry around is a, like a skinwalker type of thing. So that's where I wanted to like kind of talk about the difference between her and the Dark Bells. Uh-huh. When we think of her as birth, I kind of almost think of those ladies as possibly made by a queen. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. And then this falls back into your premise about lineage, where one in so many of these bug people are born, and the other ones are sort of Made. made as minions. Yeah. And they can be powerful, but they cannot be as powerful as the Dark Bell's
0: bearer. Bearer. So, okay, let me... Here's... Okay, so here's my question. And again, this is skipping to the end, but it takes me back to a place of proximity, right? Why... In that case, if it's not about them staying together as a hive, does just her leaving cause her to fall apart as the bugs?
1: Oh, that's easy. Okay. Um, She doesn't have enough blood. So, like, in any sacrificial layer system for like animals, bugs, whatever, you have the exoskeleton or the like thing you hide in, like a shell or whatever. And like, when that breaks, If there's nothing else to contain you, you just dissipate or fall apart. And in this case, since they're made of a bunch of ant colonies, like taking the case away is like basically scattering all their individual parts to the wind. And they don't have enough cohesion to to stay uh, like a psychic bug person. (laughs) And so without the blood, like the case fails. And if the case fails, then the insects are released. And when the insects are released, they get far enough apart from each other without any controlling mental interest to get them to reform into a person again. And, and that's, like, the hint that we get at the end when when Stephen King has Roland pick up the bells and ring them. Mm-hmm. And, like, they try with all their might to come back together, but instead are just able to form, like, a little image. Mm-hmm. But even then, they're, like, confused and unsure it's almost like in like a cyberpunk book where like the computer's starting to lose little parts of memory (laughs) until like it can only like prompt hello world yeah and so when roland decides not to ring the bells again the first ring is like the energy to pull the bugs together a little bit if you would have continued to ring those the bugs i believe would have gathered more and possibly even been able to reform a semblance of Mary. And the reason I think this is remember uh podcast or two back I mentioned like what are all those bells doing in town? Right. And we we speculated on on what's going on and like why are their bells strung across these different areas. And to and keep little, them like, together. Hostile. It's exactly so huh. the resident sound of the bells is what keeps the bugs gathered together and why they wear them on their wimples is to keep the bugs at bay inside of them as well and, and uh, oh. keep them concentrated in the one spot so the b- dark bells are just the strongest one of that series of bells right yeah so that means like if it had enough to call her kind of back together roland could have possibly speculation in theory uh <laughs> rattled those things until she like came back together as a whole and like when Stephen King says to what end probably means to like well
0: devour Roland. <laughs> right? Yeah. I'm trying to find out if if there's something specific when she's when Mary is confronting them about the bells.
1: Okay. I know there's a moment when she tries to ring her bells and Mary like just simply rings her bells.
0: Says and- So she threatens her with the dark bells. and She says, no, you won't. They'll not stray so far from the others. Shake your head and ring those damn bells until the clappers fall out and they'll still never come. So maybe there's some degree in which... In order for her to stay as a whole person, they need to actually be around each other and around the bugs. It's such a symbiotic relationship that the minute she was away from them, whatever magic kept her together just sort of fell apart. Yeah, maybe. I wish I there was know. more that information was about the your... Cantam. Tell me more. I need to I need to understand how the Cantam work. <laughs> So I'll tell you what, I have a project, I'm going to research more about the Cantam and maybe we can talk about it on the next extended episode if I find out anything interesting. Does that sound good? No, that sounds great. Okay, um, cool. I'm,
1: I'm interested, but like, I'm not clever enough or well versed enough in all of Stephen King's properties to be able to like, just know what that's about. So
0: yeah, there's, I just know
1: it, it's got to mean something.
0: There's this book. It's called Inside the Dark Tower series, art, evil, and intertextuality in the mm-hmm. Stephen King novels that I think I'm going to need to uh, consume. Um, anyway, that all is right, for so, another day.
1: So basically, Mary uh, doesn't have an effect when Jenna shakes her bells at her. And like at the moment, you think all hope is lost. like Stephen King brings in the Jesus dog. We finally get an understanding of what the Jesus dog is about he has white fur with a black cross across his chest. And right before this dog strikes and saves the day, Roland tries to wrestle with Mary holding the amulet that he got from the other, other kid. And also, and I I actually jumped ahead. I need to back up for a second. Roland, when they're leaving was concerned, like I need to grab that other amulet and, and bring it with me because I need to bring it to his family if I can. And like, Jenna actually, hand-burning, brings it out of her pocket and says, here, take this. I can't hold it much longer. Right. Mm-hmm. And that's a an interesting moment because, like, she is sort of almost like susan in this, again, like, carrying the burden for her.
0: Uh-huh. yeah.
1: Maybe not the that's like, a good way the, of
0: looking at it, yes. Yeah, but yeah she's exactly. getting burned for Roland.
1: Yep, exactly. Interesting. And so, so she hands him that, and when Roland jumps at Mary and puts his hands on her neck and starts to claw, like he thinks for a moment it's working and it sort of is. But then the description of her skin as he grabs her
0: is like it seems to move around and pull away, yeah. And again, Roland instead of his usual very on top of things, it's like he doesn't want to see what this means.
1: Yeah. And he had previously threatened Mary with his guns, but Mary basically said like, listen, unless those bullets are, are blessed by a shaman or have sperm on him for some reason, Ew. <laughs> or, or whatever other holy thing, they're not going to hurt me, buddy. And like, she thought for a moment she had him because, like, Roland is a gunslinger. And you know, that's his main tools. He uses guns. Mm-hmm. And when this amulet thing doesn't quite work, he thinks it's working. It's burns. He jumps away. And she sort of, like, looks burnt for a second and then just comes back to normal. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, like, there, you know, this is, like, Cliff's Edge stuff. And then, bam, in comes the Jesus dog, jumps on her, like, rips her apart. And, like, that's it.
0: Uh-huh.
1: <laughs> Then Stephen King goes back and is like, you always got to wonder why this dog was never really afraid to hang around town. Didn't really notice any other animals around town, except for this guy. For some reason, he knew he was safe. It's because of his unusual holy cross on his chest. Yes. Uh Uh-huh. You know, this birthmark is like made him sacred and able to kill vampires and bug ladies, apparently. Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) It's just like some mangy mutt running around but that's what you sort of think until like Stephen King gives this dog a little bit more significance right um, after he after he takes care of Mary and Roland and Jenna wander off we get this moment where you hear the dog howling and he's like howling for the dark tower oh that's in a dream that's in a dream oh no, is that in his dream okay yeah yeah
0: yeah 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 yeah
1: and I'm like, what well, wait, what? <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's a lot of weird dream sequences in these last couple of chapters. <laughs> yeah, this has been messing me up. Sorry.
1: <laughs> okay. So before that happens, apparently. Yeah. They kill Mary. They walk, you know, like three or four miles, maybe five at the max. Uh huh. They sit down like Roland's can't take any more of that medication because Jenna said that if he does the exercise combination with that medicine will like make his heart explode. Yeah. And, and so they like make camp for the night and she's like, kiss me Roland. Like a woman. Kiss me
0: like a woman. Kiss, <laughs>
1: kiss me like a man kisses a woman. She's like, so All right. weird. Yeah. And so they kind of make out Roland has this moment where he's like, yeah, now we're going to get it on. And then he's like, nah, I'm falling asleep. <laughs> <laughs> and, and so it's like, that's weird, <laughs> right? And then, like <laughs> Roland has his dream. We have the dog howling at the uh, dark towers. He sort of hears screaming in his dream. Yes, but again, like Roland is still suffering from the the medication combinations that he has been drugged with over the last however many days or weeks. And so this sort of feels like another moment where, because of that passing wake sleep situation. Mm-hmm. Roland is experiencing it in real life, but sorta in a dream state at the same time. And so there's a weird moment where like Roland comes to after hearing the scream and like says everything smells like purple? Lavender, maybe? Uh-huh. And hears the whispering of the bugs. And he grabs the bells, rings them, and they almost start to sing his name as they come back together to form what he thinks at first is the letter C and then realizes is actually the little like bit of hair. That's always dropping out of her wimple. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so and dramatic. Like, yeah. It is, it's like,
1: <laughs> And he looks down and realizes like her pants and her shoes and her top are all there, mm-hmm. but they're not torn up or ripped apart. They're just all together. And like you find out basically that Jenna, like, did a powder on this one
0: <laughs> yeah i mean it's Spread a cool visual it's a very cool and also kind of iconic vampire visual right except for in this case it's not the sun that's cooking her in her place and like leaving ashes but the bugs themselves are scattered yeah 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 that's weird <laughs> and then
1: that's the moment i was talking about before where basically roland is like i guess i could ring him again but to what end right why and then like you know exit the stage left the end
0: yeah yeah i mean he has this little dream sequence again it's about he's dreaming about the tower but i mean i think more just we end this book kind of exactly where we started with roland utterly alone outside the town of Eloria. right everything he went through everything he experienced new traumas a new broken heart all of that just to end up to find a new horse because he's walking yep
1: and like still yep. on the trail of the man in black
0: back on the trail of the man in black exactly where he started it's it's a pretty grim little ending even though he survives it's a pretty dark ending for roland and it's just another step if his life basically between wizard and glass and gunslinger is just a series of chapters like this No wonder he's just blowing people away when he gets to (laughs) talk.
1: This sort of feels like what was that David Carradine show in the like the oh god, Kung Fu,
0: the legend returns.
1: Yeah, it sort of feels like an episode (laughs) from there because like every one of those, like David Carradine enters a town, yeah, has a battle of some kind, yeah, kisses a lady, fights a guy, yeah, or group, and then like everything falls apart and he has to leave town to
0: go to the next town pretty much yeah (laughs) or like a supernatural it's going supernatural
1: yeah when i got to the end of this i was like man you could just make a
0: tv series where it's like town of the town of the month club i feel like this would be a super great either a little short mini series or even just a tales from the crypt style oh yeah
1: yeah, story right
0: wouldn't that be rad i could super get a creep show or whatever that would be super rad
1: well, I I wouldn't be surprised if there's already a like bug episode of either Tales from the Crypt, creep show, or even that the Masters of Science Fiction. Masters I think there's might have been one two where like someone's made out of bugs.
0: Yeah, I mean I feel like I've seen it before, right? I mean obviously I was joking about Mr. Oogie Boogie, but but I feel like I've definitely seen Seen that somewhere where somebody just dissolves and into- oh i know was it in prince of darkness that john carpenter movie where they're using quantum physics to see the devil or whatever maybe i haven't watched that in a really long time so uh... i feel like um alice cooper he's the homeless guy that's like outside maybe dissolves into bugs in the alley am i making this mm. up i don't know maybe... no no
1: you might be right it's
0: just i can't confirm i would deny. recommend revisiting that movie all right. Well, what was it called again? Prince of Darkness. Prince of Darkness? It, yes. It's by John Carpenter. And it's the one about there's a church basement. They bring all these grad students to go investigate because the devil is coming through. They have all these physics grad students studying it. It's And then there's stuff about time travel. It, and so I'd seen it a million times as a kid and like never liked it because it was just too weird. And then I reached an age where I understood just enough about physics just enough and i was like this movie's amazing this fucking movie is amazing <laughs> it has all this stuff about like, tachyons and stuff you'll see you'll see okay i've got it uh prince of darkness and oh, i think second, somebody I talking about like batman no although i did just start rewatching batman the animated series this week oh that's great that's i don't think so i've good. ever seen i've seen maybe one or two episodes like one-offs but i've never started it from the beginning so It's great. Isn't the very first one with, like, the dream guy? The first one, it's a two-parter with Catwoman and Red Claw. Oh, okay. Yeah, so So I think... Maybe I'm thinking uh, season two. Maybe. I think the next one is about Man Bat, which I'm very excited about. (laughs) Anyway. Man Bat. Yeah, yeah. So, okay, well, overall, what did you think of Little Sisters of Allurea? This is our first, we've never read it before, Dark Tower since we started this.
1: This was a... Super interesting, different read from everything we've been through so far. One, because you don't know what's going to happen next, so that makes it a completely different experience. Yeah. And two, like, it's a good short story. Yeah. You know, like, it's a regular Stephen King yarn Uh that just happens to, like, be able to be hung on (laughs) on the Dark Tower series. And uh, I think our comments about, you know, uh, Tales from the Crypt and, and so on are probably accurate. Really, Stephen King could have put any character from any of his books Mm -hmm. in a similar situation and maybe not made it a Western or whatever and, like, accomplished
0: this story. Yeah. But it's nice that it was ruined. Yeah. Yeah, I I agree. I feel almost like it's a little bit of proof of concept, right, where he could do a series of these little one-off short stories that would be enjoyable even if they don't speak to the larger narrative and that Mm -hmm. do manage to also squeeze in a little interesting world building i mean i i don't know i'm hoping if i can like secret it into existence that stephen king will return to the dark tower franchise i was out for a walk the other night and my boyfriend was just like what would you do if stephen king wrote another dark tower i was like don't even say (laughs) if if i can't have it don't even tempt me but i think that there's there's such a rich world that he's created that even if he's like no i've told roland's story i'm done with this he could totally do these little one-offs either about him or some of the other characters or even just set in this world i feel like there's just so many unexplored corners of it that Mm -hmm. are ripe for little short stories like this this was fun this was just a, like you said a good little yarn and i really really had a good time reading it i don't know i had fun with this one yeah and it's not
1: something we've ever visited before so you
0: don't have that like
1: oh yeah i remember this now
0: no not at all i mean god my theories could they could I were so wrong like i was sure so i was sure what was going to happen is that the, the habits would come off and they would transform into some sort of like spider creatures no <laughs> we were gonna find out that jenna had a beautiful face and head but from the neck down she was some creepy she's bug. like one of the uh the it creatures yes where, like they just saved the top yes because she kept being like you really think i'm beautiful oh he kissed my face you know what i mean all that kind of stuff would make sense if she was secretly a, a hideous spider monster nope she's just a uh love torn youth and there's a part where mary starts to transform a little bit where like her teeth are showing and stuff i was like here it is spider reveal never mind cross dog (laughs) (laughs) but overall yeah i really had a good time with this and i hope some people i know at least one or two other people in the facebook had said this was a first read for them so i hope they had a good time too Awesome. So what are we doing next? All right. So for those of you who are playing along, we are going to be starting Wolves of the Kala, which I'm very excited about. I've only read it one time years and years ago. So I remember a couple plot beats, but for the most part, I thought this was going to be a really short book because I only remembered a couple little things in it. I was like, oh, this is just a little quick one before we get into the long ones no this is a long book (laughs) yes which i'm not mad at because i remember really liking it but i think it felt short because i liked it so much so that's a good sign
1: there are a number of things that i know are coming but for the life of me i can't remember which book they're in
0: (laughs) aside from one major plot thing from song of Susanna, i have no idea where this book starts and that book ends yeah, same. So same. we're gonna find out. So for those of you reading along, we'll be reading Wolves of the Kala, the prologue. It's a big long prologue. <laughs> and if you're uh, looking for something weird to mix
1: in with this, I'm side reading a uh, uh, Hyperion again from scratch.
0: God, I gotta read that. Okay, so it's on my list. I'm trying to get through this Billy Summers book. I'm almost done. I've got an hour or two left of it. It's fine. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's kind of cool because it has <laughs> it has connections to to The Shining, which I wasn't expecting, yeah. which is kind of cool but it's a little it's a little too much straightforward slash war story is, is Stephen king just cranking him out at the end of life no it's well written and it's good i did not like it as much as i liked later it's good though it's good it's just and the and like i said the shining stuff is really creepy and unexpected but anyway i need to get to hyperion but next next is the sandman that's i've got i purchased it it is downloaded onto my phone so, but I'll get Hyperion in there too someday.
1: I also pre—I realized that they just released or uh, they're, they're going to release
0: Sandman too, so that's on my pre-order. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> all right. Uh, okay, so Stephen King universe connection. So I talked about Delane, but there's one other one that I need to talk about before we move on that yeah. I missed that our listener John pointed out to me. This has a connection to the book Black House, which you, I don't think you've read, but is the sequel to The Talisman, where Jake Sawyer's all grown up. No, I haven't. I love The Talisman, though. Um, thanks for that recommendation. Hey, I'm so glad you liked it. I love it so much. So apparently in Black House, there is a mention of the Little Sisters. Jack has gone to the territories with someone's twinner, and they talk about not going out at night because the Little Sisters are out there. Oh. Mm-hmm. Whoa. Yep. That's kind of cool. Yeah. So, I mean, what I'm saying is again, really great world building Stephen King's doing seems like a little bit of a waste not to be writing more in this world. Just saying. Just saying. All right. Cool. So, Stephen King news, nothing really on that front. And that just takes us to our listener question. This time I asked because this book is kind of a, or this, novella i don't know whatever you call it is kind of a unique spin on the vampire mythology i wanted to ask what outside of this story like what are some other kind of unique spins on the vampire mythology that you in particular love so i'm gonna go first this time because i don't want any of my my selections to be chosen i actually have two and both of them happen to be non-blood-drinking vampires. I went with energy vampires. Specifically, Colin Robinson from What We Do in the Shadows. Oh, man. That was one. That was like the first one that of came course. to mind. Because he's the best. He is the best. Did you, are you caught up on this season? I am not. But uh, oh, I'm God. still in like
1: season uh, two, I think, or one. Oh, my God. I'm 26 episodes-ish in, so I think season one.
0: There is a thing in the third season where he looks like Nandor for reasons or whatever and he's supposed to help him pick up a girl he's too shy to talk to and he decides he's going to try out nagging <laughs> <laughs> so like now Randy and I just keep saying to her they're like what's up dipshit <laughs> that's his opening line anyway so yes I love him and I think a big part of it is because he just has uh, I don't know he just has so much updog, you know mm-hmm You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean,
1: do you find, do you think, do you
0: find that he has a lot of up dog?
1: (laughs) You keep saying up dog. Should I know something? I mean,
0: you know, he has up dog. What is up dog? I don't know. What's up dog. (laughs) (laughs) All right. All right. I see you're trying to like
1: lead me into it. I just like, yeah, sure. It's a joke for the show.
0: Anyway, (laughs) I
1: thought for a moment up dog was something I'm supposed to like a, a slang that I didn't understand. And I was like, well, okay.
0: Yeah, if you say so, like, cool. Up dog. Right. It's like Colin. You'll see when you get into the second season. But anyway, so Colin is my number one favorite non-conventional vampire because that show utilizes him perfectly. There's never too much Colin. But when you get him, it is just amazing. And I also feel like we all can identify with energy vampires because if you've ever worked in an office setting, you know one. <laughs> In the first season, I think it's the first season where there's the emotional va- vampire shows up. Yeah, there's up. the one that's like trying to make <gasps> everybody
1: feel bad for her.
0: <sighs> okay, so have you seen the episode yet where Colin gets a promotion at work? Um, maybe? Oh, you'd know. You'd know. It is absolutely epic. I can't wait for you to get there. <laughs> and then my other favorite non-conventional vampire, which again is a kind of vamp- vampire, is of course the alien cat... Yeah, vampires from sleepwalkers
1: (laughs) i had alien cats
0: don't you remember from sleepwalkers there was the father or the the son mother lovers oh yeah were they really vampires well they were remember because they would suck the energy out of people and turn them into husks there was the young girl they found in that house that looked like an old lady Yeah. yeah, I guess that works as a vampire. OK, yeah, they're like sucking their life energy out of them instead of blood or whatever. Right. Yeah. I want to say there was um,
1: some movie with David Bowie where like he stole youth from people and mm. like
0: made it his own. And he was sort of like a Maybe. vampire
1: of some kind. I mean,
0: I'm thinking obviously that he was in The Hunger, but he was a traditional vampire in that. And at oh, one okay. point he's young and handsome and he's like David Bowie. And then all of a sudden he starts rapidly aging. And she like throws them in a coffin and puts them in the attic. Have you ever seen that? Uh, yeah. Yeah, it's been You were a, while, a teenage but, like... goth, you've seen it. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess my untraditional one would actually
1: be the virus vampire. The virus vampire. So like you remember in um I think the movie was Daybreak.
0: Oh yeah. Daybreakers. Daybreakers. I like, was instead great. instead of
1: vampires being like lineage of crazy people that like bite each other and like live in coffins it's actually just a disease that gets sort of spread around yeah and then like they have to try and like figure out a way to cure it and like have a a dwindling
0: blood supply to like keep society alive Yes, because you're right. I mean, that I love that because it brought up what happens if the vampires really take over and then you have blood shortage wars.
1: Yeah, exactly. And so, like, that's a completely different view and run of uh, vampirism as a whole and, like, sort of almost a little cyber, y That's a great movie. In, in nature. I need to go back and watch that again. I know. As soon as you ask me, I'm like, oh, I know. What is it? What is it? What is it? And I... I finally find it and I'm like, oh yeah, there it is. And then I'm like, oh yeah, I haven't watched that in a while. This is good stuff.
0: All right, cool. So, all right, let's hear what our listeners said. All right. So John, our good buddy who pointed out the universe connection that I had missed. Anybody out there, by the way, if you, if there's a universe connection that I have just glossed over and I missed, let me know. I want to know. Drop us a line. I want to know. Okay. So John says, all right. The dark tower series is my all time favorite of all genres. Since you asked the question of what's your favorite unconventional spin on the vampire lore, then that's Necros the Necroscope series by British author Brian Lumley. Have you read these? No, I have not. Necroscope. Necroscope. They're I just learned about these because I guess they're finally making a film adaptation of them. And they have a enormous fan base, people who are hardcore necroscope heads. I don't know what you call. Their fandom, <laughs> but I've been—I have it on again. It's in my massive backlog of lists of books I want to read. I need to check this out. Okay, so it says there are a total of eighteen books in the series. Whew, that's a Whoa. commitment. But hey, if it's good, it's good. The hero of the series is named Harry Keo, who can speak to the dead through a psychic ability called Necroscope or Dead Speak. He's also able to teleport anywhere in the world via the Mobius Continuum, which he learned from. Uh, August Ferdinand Mobius. I feel like this feels like a DJ book. I don't know. Uh, I don't know. Eighteen books. I mean, uh, yeah. You and I both I are favorite portfolio. A following the
1: circle of time, because I found out there was a prequel book. So
0: <laughs> that's where you drew the line. You're like a prequel. I won't do it if it has a prequel. No, no I'm I just, out.
1: like, I thought it was done, and then they're like, no, we made this other book, and it's like, well, you lost my thread here. Now I got to go right because now probably it's been so long, you don't even remember yep exactly and like you get to the parts and like you're like okay it's the same thing with um what is it uh uh the dresden files
0: yeah i know that he took so long between books i don't remember what happened in the last one
1: so i got to like the new book and i'm like i don't know what the f is going on here yeah. And then I realized, like, there's so many references to, like, previous stuff that I'm going to have to go, like, four books back. I to, do like, think that they're
0: broken up. into trilogies within the series. So maybe you only have to go back into the vampire stuff. I don't know. Yeah, I think I'm going to have to go all the way back to the island to understand what's yeah, going on. that's probably Which right. Like, that's,
1: a, that's a really big chunk of, book that is a chunk of books I have to revisit.
0: Yeah. And then, like, figure out about the war. But When and, those like, were coming yeah. out once a year, I was about it. Every time one came, dropped, I was picking it up. But you're right. I haven't read the latest one because I started reading the description and I was like, I don't remember. <laughs>
1: yep. Same thing with the Iron Druid. Yeah. I didn't discover that series until it was like 12 books in uh-huh. or like eight books or whatever. And so I rolled through all eight books and then, you know, found out that he only releases a book every couple of years. Yeah. Yeah. And, like, by the time the next one came out, I'm like, I don't know what's going on here. And I'm not going to go revisit all these because, like,
0: that's a lot of work. I've also been so burned by the franchise that I shall not name. Um, That I'm a little <laughs> wary. If it's a if the series is not complete, I'm a little nervous. So, I don't know. Maybe this one's complete. But, okay. Uh, Let's see here. So, to make a long story short, the main antagonist of the series... The Wampiri lords are maleficent and dominating creatures. In the books, they're portrayed as the original vampires from a different dimension called Starside. The vampires in the book have a leech-like parasite that has a symbiotic relationship with the host, usually a human, but can also be a dog or wolves. These leeches require a host to feed on blood, and in return, the host gets super strength, agility, and a long life almost eternal. They also grant psychic powers like telepathy and the ability to morph through their flesh. Your fellow traveler in all things related to the Dark Tower, John. Hmm. I mean, it sounds kind of rad. I
1: mean, that's almost like, Stargate SG-1, you know, with the Wraith living in the back of
0: Oh, you're right! Because, like, they grant you superpowers and stuff, but now you're evil. Oh, man, did that, like, rip off the Necroscope series?
1: Mm, I think uh, 90s was uh, the original, and, like, they didn't really bring out a lot
0: of Were that. Were the like, Wraith in the original um, Stargate? I just, I knew them from Atlantis. So Stargate, or not the Wraith? I'm sorry. The
1: um, shoot, uh, the Wraith are the the like, suck your blood, energy folks. They're energy. The ones that hard. are the snake. Yeah. What's which which ones are the snakes that crawl into your? I don't your remember back what they're called,
0: the... but yeah, I do remember the Egyptian ones, right? Because they're the yeah, ones that and, are in the movie.
1: Yeah, but the in the original movie, like they don't necessarily define those per se it's just like the sarcophagus and like the glowing eyes and the strength and so on mm-hmm. and then like in the tv show they define those as the as the snakes that like climb up you. then you find out that the teal and like the rest of those jawas or not jawas. <laughs> <laughs> i'm really messing up my uh yeah my terminology here. the fandom uh, crossover like hosts hosts for them they like can't use them but they get to carry them around in their in their like tummy pouch
0: oh my gosh i'm looking at all the covers of these necroscope books and they're the art is rad they're all like skeletons with vampire eyes and weird like worms and stuff it's kind of cool anyway so yeah i'm someday someday i'll join you john i just need to get power through some of these other books and i'll 1986 get there 86 yeah the
1: first Necroscope. i mean there's a
0: ton of them right so they they must be going for a while
1: this guy like just the dean coons
0: of Necroscopes. oh, oh come on <laughs> why you gotta do it like that <laughs> <laughs> okay this next one comes from tim and he says hi rachel and dj in response to your question on episode 66 my favorite unconventional vampire would be have to be nightcrawler 2014 with jake gyllenhaal Whoa! Okay, all right. Yeah, I'm gonna need an explanation because I thought that was about some guy that photographs. Yeah, crime me too. I thought it was like a crime scene guy that like maybe also caused crimes. I mean, he posted a picture over here, and to be honest, he looks pretty vampire-y, It's just he is quite slender. Okay, let's see her. His character can be read as a metaphorical vampire. Okay, okay. I like this. I like this. Pale and emaciated, roaming only at night to catch his quote-unquote prey, and thriving off of other people's deaths and suffering. He's also very manipulative, even with people with tough personalities, almost as if he has glamour abilities. Best, Tim. That is a really interesting read on the. I mean, like it's it's very unconventional. I love that answer.
1: Hmm. Yeah, I I was confused at first too until like there was an, thankfully there was
0: an explanation. I need to watch that movie. I have not seen that movie. I know everybody was freaking out when it came out, and I just you know like you miss the boat, and then the boat moves on, and you're
1: like, yeah, that's kind of dark. I'm not feeling that dark today. Right? And then like you just never get to it.
0: I gotta do it though because I do really like Jake Gyllenhaal and. I mean, especially now I want to watch it with the, with this interpretation uh, in yeah, mind. Yeah. In so I think, I think I'm going to have to circle back and finally watch it. Cause it's supposed to be freaking great. Right. But yeah, I haven't seen it. Okay. Let's look and see what people on the Facebook had to say to this. I had it open and I think I closed it. Sing a little song to stall a little bit. <laughs> oh no, I have it open. Okay, good, good, good. Okay. All right. So what? see here all right so damien says oh here we go the hunger which was one i was talking about before uh, with it had david bowie in it right and yep, yep yep all right a girl walks home alone at night that is a great movie and a weird western have you ever seen that no
1: never even heard of it it's
0: by in i believe a persian director and it's meant it's shot in california but it's meant to be iran And it's about this young, cool, modernized, but like she's veiled. She has a hijab, but she's kind of like a cool skater girl. And at night she's skating around eating people. She's awesome and has really has a really great soundtrack. I would highly recommend checking it It's black and white. And then there's a weird dance number with like a cowboy halfway through it. I don't know. what. Yeah, it's a weird movie, but I really, really like it. So that's a great unconventional pick. Damien also suggested Bliss, which I have not seen, and David Wellington's 13 Bullets series. Have you read that?
1: No, no idea.
0: Let's see. It takes place in Pennsylvania in the year 2003 in a setting similar to the real world, but, t- but where vampires and other supernatural forces are rare but accepted phenomena. Hmm.
1: So, X Files or uh, the Two Brothers thing again? Yeah, maybe. I mean, it has- is this like, so I kind of wonder sometimes like there are five book series I can think of that are basically like edgier Harry Potter. Yeah. And so is the like world of like the Dresden files and like the Iron Druid and, and um yeah, all these, like, they're basically like, they feel like they're cut from the same cloth. So then how do you differentiate yourself in that genre to be like? A genre specific classic.
0: Yeah. I mean, those are all urban fantasy, right? Right. Yeah, exactly. And like,
1: it's usually like two dudes or a dude like running around and like, oh, by the way, like magic's real.
0: Yeah. 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 We've talked about it a lot on the show, but that hard magic sets itself apart by being set in a particular time. Yeah. And like having to draw stuff and like, yeah.
1: And like, I guess like the Iron Druid uses like ruins and like he's like an ancient or something. Is that the one with the
0: talking dog?
1: iron druid yeah am i blending it with something
0: else i don't know i I don't recall a talking dog i mean that doesn't mean i it doesn't exist i feel like you'd remember okay david says the passage truly by justin cronin and carrying comfort by dan simmons i feel like i read the first two passage ones i think there was the first book is about one group of characters and then the second book they just completely moved on from all of the characters i was like what (laughs) <laughs> so, I didn't end up finishing that trilogy, but I remember really liking the first book. Maybe I should give mm. it another shot. And Carry and Comfort by Dan Simmons. Now, that I've definitely heard of, but I have not read.
1: Carry and Comfort. Yeah, have you? No, I haven't.
0: And my list just got like five things longer. So Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Carry and Comfort by Dan Simmons. So, Dan Simmons is a writer that I've definitely heard of, but I don't know if I've actually read anything by him. They're like mind vampires, is. apparently. Huh. Okay, I'll take a closer look at this. All right. James says the original story for the movie The Lost Boys, the vampires were the children in the Peter Pan story. Were they? What? Is that is that canon? I guess. He said by the time it made it to the movie form, only the movie name remained.
1: Oh, because of the Lost Boys. Which the Lost makes Boys.
0: sense. I mean, like, I guess I had never really made that connection. Have you ever huh. been to Santa Cruz where that movie was shot?
1: Um, Where's Santa Cruz at? How far is it from San Jose?
0: It's between San Jose and Monterey. It's on it, the oh, coast. It, yeah, I've been there because
1: I've driven all the way through there to Monterey. So
0: when I was growing up, we used to go to that the beach Santa Cruz Beach Boardwalk all the time, which is where all that movie is set.
1: Oh, I think when we were there, um, we avoided the boardwalk because there was like a plague of lime scooters.
0: Oh, yeah, I'm sure there is. Like, killing people. I'm sure there is. <laughs> I guarantee it. But it's if you ever get down this way, the boardwalk is co- kind of cool because it's, it's like Coney Island. You know what I mean? Where it's on yeah. the beach. So you can go get like a deep fried Mars bar and eat it on the beach if you want. That's what I'm doing this next week. Woo. Nice. And it has a lot of wooden roller coasters and stuff. The Big Dipper was a big one popular when we were. The in. ones
1: that always make the news for like murdering people.
0: I don't like that part of the story. <laughs> that's the part I ignore. <laughs> I'm scared to fly, but I'll go on a roller coaster. What is wrong with me? <sighs> so yes, that, that's interesting. I did not know that bit of trivia. Bridget says Twilight. <laughs> Twilight. <laughs> now that she puts a bunch of joking faces instead of sparkly love vampires. <laughs> I mean, it's definitely a twisty twist on the lore. And she said, just kidding, I second the passage by Justin Cronin. And finally, Samantha says, I like Dr. Sleep, which is, if you recall, obvious. did you read Dr. Sleep? No. Did you wa- watch the movie Dr. Sleep? No. Okay. So in, <laughs> in those books, which are, it's a, the sequel to The Shining, or Danny's all grown up, kind of like Black House with Jack Sawyer. And there is a group called the True Knot, and they are psychic vampires that what they feed on is The shine. Oh really? They can sense kids that have that gift, track them down, and then they will eat the kids. Does the kid die or are they? Oh just yeah, like
1: regular kids after that. Oh
0: no 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 no, <laughs> the true knot kills them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's actually I would recommend either the movie or the book. Yeah, I would definitely recommend it if you're curious. All right, awesome. Those were great answers as usual. Any thoughts, Deej? I mean, you 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 guys literally just gave me like
1: six things I have to uh, take care of now. He's
0: like, thanks so, for the to do list, y'all. <laughs> yeah, thanks. I mean,
1: I'm gonna at least visit the Thirteen Bullets series, huh? And like catch one of those, and then I kind of want to know more about this Necroscope. Me thing. too. So mm-hmm. if you can, if you can post somewhere which one I should start with, and yeah, I know you should start at the beginning, but like. If you've ever gone to the beginning of one of these vast series, they're not always the best book to start right? with. Right?
0: Yeah, that's so
1: true. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm learning to write. I'm glad someone paid me to write the next book because otherwise <sighs> this career would have never taken off. It's such
0: a bummer when you're told you, like, absolutely have to start with the first one. Like, I read those crow club books and they were so amazing but they're the books that are in the middle of two other trilogies Mm -hmm. apparently the second trilogy is amazing but in order to read the second trilogy you have to read the first trilogy and the first trilogy is very much a she's learning to write trilogy i'm like do i have to but i've been assured that i have to so it's kind of gone on hold (laughs) i'll get back to it i'll get back to it all right awesome so next listener question for those of you Hopefully, all of you who want to write in, you can drop us an email at castofkala at zombiegirls.com. That's G-R-R-L-Z dot com. And the question this time is, all right, we're going into the Wolves of Kala. And there is a phrase, I think it might even be the name of the prologue that I have adopted into my regular vocabulary. I refer to things as being roomed. And so I was wondering, what are some things, some words or some phrases from the books that have wormed their way into your brain and have become a part of your everyday, not everyday, but frequent usage? You know, like I burn something. I'll be like, it's root. And maybe it's not the exact use, in the, which is maybe a little more problematic in the book. But it's just gotten into my brain and it's now part of my personal vocabulary. So think about that, DJ. What are some dark towerisms that now you use, and people may or may not know what the hell you're talking about?
1: I mean, from that perspective, I'm way more of a uh, Hitchhiker's Guide to the
0: Galaxy type of guy. So. That's fair. That's a- well. All you can have a two part question. When I ask you about your your que- your word next time, you can also tell me some of your your Hitchhiker's Guide sayings that have worked their way into your brain.
1: Just want to be a man who knows where his towels at. <laughs>
0: All right. Awesome. So we talked about the plan for the next episode. We're going to be covering Wolves of Kala, the prologue. You want to drop us a line, cast of castofkala at zombiegirls.com, or you can come chat with us over on the Cast of Cough Facebook group. Truly the last thing that's still keeping me on Facebook is that... <laughs> Facebook group. If you like the show, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever it is that you get your pods. If you're looking for a scary movie or scary series to watch tonight, check out our video on demand and streaming calendar on the Zombie Girls website. And if you want to get some cool new clothes or a new coffee mug or whatever, check out our merch at zombiegirls.com forward slash merch. There are some really cool stuff. You're going to want to check that out. And if you love the show and you want to support us and you want more of this content, you should definitely support us on patreon at patreon.com slash zombie girls where you get extended episodes on every show on the network you also can join us on our discord where you can see a lot of you can dj's always posting photos of his adorable dogs or his adventures he's about to head off to the big apple i'm hoping we're gonna get some really cool photos from the weird shit that you inevitably will see because you have the law of attraction the weirdest shit <laughs> That was the last time they saw me alive. Oh, no, I hate that part. So, yeah, you should definitely do that so you can join the Discord. And if you're already a patron and you're not on the Discord, what are you doing? Come over. It's so fun. I guess that's it. So, DJ, if they need some more of you in their life, where can they find you on the Internet?
1: Uh, you can swing over to DeadLantern.com and check out the Dead Lantern podcast. There are also several movies you can purchase on Amazon. You can um, swing over to Etsy occasionally and find me in the uh, muffin spank section. You can also go watch over 15 years of previously produced training on music equipment and film equipment on YouTube. Uh, still answering questions from videos I posted like 12 years ago. <laughs> because someone's got a question. So that's about it. Otherwise I'm pretty quiet these days with, not even an instagram account because it was stolen from me. it was yeah i used to have a one lone dork instagram account yeah and like i didn't use it for a couple years and i'm like oh now that i'm not posting stuff i should open that back up and like get going and like some russian guy has it now what can you steal it back i don't think so uh he changed the email password reset stuff and
0: everything else so like I feel yeah, like you nothing- should totally have an Instagram. I would totally follow you on Instagram. Uh, my my
1: one lone dork Instagram is gone, gone for good.
0: Well, what about DSLR film noob or Muffin Spank? Why aren't you Muffin Spank on Instagram? <laughs> DJ, you should be because then you can when you post store stuff in your store, you could be posting it there muffin Hmm. spank make it happen i'll be your first follower you can
1: just see videos of my steaming muffins every day
0: yes i want to see those steaming muffins make it happen speaking of social media you can follow us on instagram at zg podcasts or on twitter at zg podcast singular we post on there at least once a day hopefully we'll get some good dj content up on there soon but yeah, you should definitely follow us there. If you want some more of me in your life, you can find me on the Zombie Girls podcast. You can find me on More Deadly, where we review horror films directed by women. We have a really great episode coming out this week where we interviewed the director of Martyrs Lane, and we talked about the difficulties of uh, being a woman director in genre filmmaking. <laughs> and you can find me on the Stream Queens, where we review horror films that you stream on the internet. And this week, I was a guest On the Bloody Good Horror podcast where we reviewed James Wan's latest absolutely bonkers movie, Malignant. A lot of diverse opinions. (laughs) A lot of people really liked it. A lot of people really didn't. But we had a really fun conversation. So definitely check that out. And then finally, oh, and also the untitled Nick Cage show, which is our latest one on the Zombie Girls Podcast Network. We just reviewed Valley Girl and we're going, we, we started at the beginning, but I think we're going to cheat a little bit and cover his newest movie, Prisoners of the Ghost Land, which actually just came out today. So I'm excited to watch that this weekend. But yeah, that is plenty of me. I can't imagine anyone would want any more than that. So your bases are covered. DJ, take us out
1: all right thanks for listening to another exciting episode of the casica podcast where we find out that you can be full of bugs that will scatter into the wind with ringing bells like a
0: sweet chime on your porch good night (laughs) bye everybody oh and stay tuned after the music if you want to hear a little sneak peek of our extended episode okay bye bye Thanks, everybody, for listening and to my co-host, DJ, for making me laugh and for indulging all of my tinfoil hat conspiracies. Production on this episode was done by yours truly. Our theme song for the show was created by DJ. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the extended episode. Welcome to Art Talk, apparently. This is... Okay, Art so, talk. like, I didn't have a plan for this episode, but I figured we'd figure something out. If you had asked me, like... To guess, literally the last thing I would be like, your tips on, like, what, like, original art pieces to buy (laughs) is the last thing I was expecting. But you know what? That's one of the reasons I love you so much. I never know what I'm going to (laughs) get.
1: So I used to actually, um, like, do a lot of art all the time. And um, that was really cool. But I usually ended up, like, giving it away to people. So I never really had anything to show for it. And... About 2012, 2013, we, we were in New York and we walk by um, like a kind of a, a street thing that's going on where like people are just selling stuff. And like, I see some spray paint art that I think is really cool. And I'm like, ah, I should buy some of that. And we talked to the booth owner for a little bit and like, try to figure out the logistics of getting it home. And like, he wanted like 60 bucks or 50 bucks, a a painting, <laughs> And I was like, that's really good. I like these. Um, and then we just didn't figure out a way to get them home, so I didn't buy any. Turns out um, that conversation I had about buying paint was uh, with Banksy. Fuck. And, like, it was like a one-time like joke exhibit where Fuck he was selling you. real Banksy's in the
0: park. No and, uh, way.
1: And other people that bought two or three were able to like sell them for two or $300,000 a pop. Um, oh
0: my! Are you just like God damn it? That would keep me up at night. That would keep me up at night.
1: I mean, it's cool that I met Banksy and like yeah, went to his booth. So I, you know, whatever. Like you, you can't you can't like second guess every choice you made because there's true. a million of them that are be like, wow, if I had only done this, everything would have been different. I'm like oh, that's yeah, true. That's true. But you didn't. So Still, here you are, buddy. I think it
0: would drive me insane.